What if we could look at the way that people move their body and we could understand the depth of what motivates them? It's more than just reading body language. It's a science and it's a breaking science. Today we're going to talk to the man that is really taking the time to understand how people operate. Brennan Nakane is today's guest on the Manlyhood Mancast. In a culture that scoffs at honor, you can rise up to lead and to shine. It's time to be the best man that you can be. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. I am so glad that you chose to join us here today and that you are listening or watching wherever it is that you're partaking in this podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. Please help us spread the word. If there is somebody that you know would find this interesting, that would be able to learn from it and grow from it, please share it with them. Also, if you want to help us spread the word, make sure that if you're listening to iTunes that you leave us a review. Leave us a rating and a review because that helps tell iTunes that what we're doing is valuable. If you're watching on YouTube, same thing. Like, comment, subscribe, share. If you're listening on Spotify or other podcasts app, please make sure you give it a thumbs up, that you download it, that you share it with somebody else that could appreciate it. I love you guys, and I'm really glad that you're here to listen to this great interview with Brennan Nakane. Brennan has really started to make a scientific breakthrough. It's still in its infancy, and as you listen to him describe it, I want you to pay close attention because I think that it really gives us some insight into the way that people's minds work and what they're thinking behind what they're saying. We can see their motivations based on something similar to body language, but it's different than that. It's deeper than that. Brennan explains it to us. Brennan, it's great to have you on the show today, man. I have been following your work kind of as this whole knocking a caps thing, as this whole idea that you have been putting together has been formed and kind of growing. And honestly, it's been really neat to watch the process. And I think our, our, I know our listeners have a lot of questions about the very stuff that you talk about. So maybe sure. you could just introduce yourself, tell me about what you do and, you know, and, and, then we can kind of get into the work that you're doing on top of it. So sure. Um, well, this all began really research that um, happened prior to the discovery that my wife and I made uh, 13 years ago. And this research uh, found out 50 years ago, roughly, that the eyes signal brain processing. So what this means is that if someone looks down into the right it'll actually signal that they're feeling or someone looks down to the left, it signals that they're thinking. And this is something that might've been captured by um, artwork like Rodin's the thinker where he's literally looking down that way. But in general, it was more of an adage and researchers found out definitively speaking, no, this happens 100% of the time. Well, 13 years ago, I had known about that for 
close to three decades, but it wasn't until 13 years ago that we discovered that in fact, the eyes will move in pairs and those pairs signal one of seven overarching motivations. So as crazy as this sounds, you can actually tell what somebody is motivated by, or at least the way that they're motivated by something from moment to moment based off of these different tells. And um, once we realized this, it really blew us away. Um, we're in the process of looking to become rich and famous. And uh, we're speaking with a billionaire about doing medical patents and whatnot. And then God taps us on the shoulder and uh, he has other plans for it. And those plans are probably the types of things that we're going to be talking about, uh, which is beyond trying to um, make a billion dollars, uh, think about helping to save a billion souls. And so that uh, really caused us to take a deep dive into theology, into this uh, research. And we're really, really excited to share it uh, with the world. And in particular, because the world has taken a big hit in its faith. And for many people, they believe that science is the end all be all. And they believe that, um, um, believing in God is irrational or it's just wishful thinking. And in fact, this is where we believe this is God's response to Darwin. Um, that in fact, uh, it's like the slingshot, that little tiny rock, that little tiny youngest kid that uh, takes down Goliath. And we, we truly believe that if uh, believers unite around this, that the scientists will not have an answer for it because lo and behold, uh, we ended up realizing after years of research that our initial equations were on page one of Genesis, uh, which absolutely blew us away. And from that point on, we realized, you know what, whether or not we die rich or poor, there's something greater in play here. And we, we better do what God wants us to do with it. You were looking into research, and, and I think mm -hmm. I'm familiar with a little bit of that research. I mean, you know, sure. you know I've read about like FBI profilers and others right. who will, you know, CIA analysts, and they'll look yep. at people and study their body language. Yep. And, you know, if somebody's lying, they'll usually look, you know, a certain direction before right. they tell the lie. Yep. You know, and so so you're looking at the studies that are, that are out there. You're doing mm -hmm. the research, and you're finding yeah. more things in other places to confirm that is what you're, what you're telling me. Well, that, and actually um, even extending beyond it and maybe debunking a lot of what's out there right now. Like one of the things we're going to do is um, like Dr. Phil just had um, a, a body language expert uh, for the Gabby Petito uh, case. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually are going to debunk some of the things, um, some of the findings that he was saying. We actually show the footage between the four experts, some of the four uh, greatest experts on body language and show just how much they don't know. Um, so from this standpoint, if it is to give God glory, it's kind of got to be like Usant Bolt <laughs> versus right high school sprinters or something. It's got to be a greater distance than just simply us labeling our faith on top of um, a, a, of a study. So, um, so to that point, for instance, um, a lot of body language uh, makes a lot of assumptions, and a lot of those assumptions actually go back to uh, an evolutionary um, adaptation a necessity for it. 
And um, that's where the problematic part um, comes into play. Because number one, we don't necessarily know if this is true or not. So it just becomes modern myth-making, uh, even if it's labeled as science. But the second thing is um, the fact that if you have a design by God that he just so happened to continue to put throughout scripture to prove that, in fact, he made this pattern and he stayed consistent with it, then design is a big problem for people that want to go 100% Darwin on things because, um, in fact, God is the author of the earth and he made things and he and he sustains us. And so, therefore, when you begin to start looking at uh, even the concept of the body-soul composite, uh, you begin to start realizing, wow, this has been understood by believers for a long time. They just didn't fully understand the implications of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times I know people have told me, you know, when you look at the things that the body language people mm -hmm. will tell you, you know, sure. they'll say, oh, listen, somebody's crossing their arms while you're talking to them. Right. It means that they're close to what you're saying. And I'm like, sure. no, actually, I cross my arms all the time because it's comfortable. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's how Mormons pray. They literally cross their arms. That's how, yeah. you know, if you're cold, if you're any, any different things like that. And and um, that's where we replace that with uh, what we would say is like poker reads where. In the situation, you may see the cards, but you don't know everything. So it's up to you as the person who understands as way more the factors than any body language expert would know. Mm -hmm. We give the science upon what we know is definitive and you have to make the reads as far as for what it means. And we can go through like, you know, later on the show, sure. what we'd actually call somebody putting their hands in or out and you'll see it, it makes way more sense than just making an assumption. Like if somebody does a steeple, they're open. If somebody does this, they're confident. If somebody does this, they're closed off. It's assumption after assumption after assumption. And body language experts will oftentimes say that they're not making assumptions. Then you watch the video of them breaking down something and they're constantly doing it, especially when they, they know at the end, you know, if somebody's guilty or if, if somebody's presumed guilty, um, they'll, they'll read into um, a guilty or innocent verdict well i think a lot about uh mentalists you know i'm actually i love sure. watching mentalists oh absolutely yeah and yeah. and they've they've gotten pretty good at you know cold reading and the whole concept of being able to kind of tell people and i love it when you're watching one and it doesn't work right sure <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of, it's like, it's oh, yeah, the, the curveball, like yep. if they're, if they're really good, they can cover it and make that part of the act. But right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you and your wife kind of mm -hmm. discovered this and now you're working on finding ways to use this, I guess, you, you know, you could say for, for God's kingdom and, and, True. you know, really just to benefit people, you know, to help people understand the truth. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm really fascinated by the concept because I know that a lot of the listener, a lot of the listeners and the readers in our Facebook group, you know, I, I put out a poll out. And I'm like, hey, they have a hard time knowing how to read people. Right. You know, like, yeah. how do I know if I can trust this person or how do I know? And they find themselves trusting the wrong person or right. they find themselves, you know, not trusting somebody they should trust because they yeah. don't have any framework other than right. word and reputation, which are pretty valuable but not always you know oh Sometimes absolutely more. yeah absolutely so, so what is that what was that what does it look like maybe talk maybe you could talk about some of the 
the, the things that you've learned and, and how it applies? Sure. Well, the first thing I think um, the important part is coming from a, a believer's perspective is you have to understand what people are actually like. And from moment to moment, they're making a choice to either accept God's grace, God's direction, right, the Holy Spirit, or to reject it. And um, if people aren't believers, let's just say you might put it in different terms, but just doing the right thing or knowing what's right versus not. Now, from that standpoint, to say, how do I know whether or not I can trust somebody already gives an assumption. You're trying to predict the future, and predicting the future is actually patently against Christianity. Um, so, therefore, you can't answer that question. But there are in indicators you can tell where somebody is. You still don't know where they're going to be. Right. And so that's the first part is, is to say what we wouldn't say. But that being said, where a lot of people make the mistake of reading people is they try to use one or two very simple indicators. And guess what? Most people also know what those indicators are. So if I was going to try to lie to you, I would look you in the eye. I wouldn't look away, right? If, 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 if you wanted to know extra detail about where I was, I would make sure to put that in the answer, right? Uh, if you wanted to see whether or not I was sincere or not, I would talk about something emotionally that I'm actually very touched by every time I talk about it. So then you go, wait a second, he's looking me in the eye, he has the details, and I can tell that's a genuine emotion. But what you can't tell is whether or not all that is prefabbed into my presentation. So what Nakani Caps does is it gives a moment to moment to moment to moment to moment read. And it's indicating not just your eyes or your head, which we'll get to, not just your mouth, but if, if a person moves forward or backward, twitches of the face, um, just you name it. All these things we're reading constantly. So even the best of the best liars are only able to control a certain amount of those things and only for a certain period of time. Like, for instance, um, I'm not sure if you remember the Natalie Holloway case. Mm -hmm. um, well, we watched the video when he was interviewed and um, time and time again, he would give first, uh, certain tells during the first set of interviews. But then the second set, he actually improved. So he cleaned up his stuff. So he wasn't indicating in that same way, but he was indicating in another way. And then finally, the third time is indicating in a different way. So it does become also like a sport. And once you treat it instead like this, this is the iron law. This is when you know this is the case. Then what does the other person know? They know your playbook, right? It's like diehard when they say, okay, the FBI is then going to do this. And then they're going to do this, right? They're given the playbook. So instead, these reads are cross time and it's really more of a sport. And you have to be as unpredictable making the read as the person is expecting you. So hopefully that begins to show when you start learning these skills, you're, you're way more equipped to do it because you're not looking for any one dot. You're looking for the dot to dot to dot to dot and you're doing the tests and you're keeping that person off guard as, uh, the same as you are. And you're also under, understanding that even if somebody was completely or, you know, a man or woman is completely trustworthy in a certain place, temptation then comes into play in the future that we all can't 
account for. And we have to see then, and that's why the ultimate thing of, of trusting is whether or not somebody is grounded to the truth, right? And the truth of the capital T. And if that person is grounded to the truth uh, in, in Christ, uh, then what they're able to do is two people are able to conform that way in a partnership, whether it be business, whether it be relationship. Whereas when somebody's not conformed to the truth, then they're like the winds and they can be taken, you know, to and fro. Yeah, and to have that standard makes all the difference in the world. I think yeah. in those in those relationships, if you're if you're both working towards that versus, right. you know, oh yeah, exactly. You know, being unequally yoked, even so to speak. You know, going yeah. two different directions. So yeah. So, um, tell me a little bit more then about what some of those tells look like. Sure. Um, well, one of the first things is. Um, if you can imagine that somebody might make a read to say if someone's eyes and head are going down, that they're a shy person, right? This person's shy and someone's head's going up. That person's a confident person, maybe even an arrogant person. So let's go back to the science of Nikani caps and, and take away the um, subjective opinions on it. So we don't want to say shy or any things. We want to say arrogant or stuck up. We simply want to say that when somebody mixes together the feeling plus thinking, and we mix those two together, it makes for the motivation of approval. It's approval or disapproval. So for instance, if someone says, hey, how was the show yesterday? I was like, it was good. So the first thing I can tell, they're not probably telling me the truth. Or number two, they are telling me the truth, but they resent the fact that I'm saying it. But either way, I know the person just signaled a disapproval. Okay. Now, if somebody says, hey, how was the show yesterday? Oh, it was, it was great. Right. So then I could all, that's a positive approval. So I have the poker read of knowing that feeling plus thinking are in play. Mm-hmm. That's the main. That's the main part that I should know, and then I have to be able to figure these things out. Now, if I'm then processing that a person continually does this, so continually everything that they process, we use Matt Damon as the poster board for this. Anytime you see Matt Damon compared to anyone else, his co-star that he's interviewing with, his head is going to be lower because he's processing feeling, thinking, feeling, thinking over and over again, and this is going to flavor or make a bias to how he sees things. So in that case, I can baseline a person based off of what makes sense for an approval, what we call an approval primary person, as opposed to a double visual, head's going to go up. It's going to be a lot more patient, a lot more direct visuals. The fastest is like, I want this. I want that. So if I know somebody and say, Hey, um, so, uh, how are things going right now? And the person's like this. Okay, I know they want something. I know they're impatient. I need to find out what that one is and I better uh, figure out how to meet it if I want to, let's just say, make a business deal. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Or maybe I'm not going to meet it, but I still want to know what that is, right? Hey, how's everything going? Okay, the person's feeling. Okay, what are they feeling about? So as the person continues to give these tells, I'm then making this read back and forth. And obviously there's several ones, but those are two examples uh, of, of how you could use it 
to begin to start interacting with people. So head down is approval, head up is confidence. Is well, it'd be it'd be called wealth. Okay. And it just means that you're you're processing with double visual. So when you're mm-hmm. processing with double visual, that means you're most focused on what you want at that moment. It's way more bottom line. And gotcha. so what oftentimes happen is people will make be judgmental against people that are like this because they think they're stuck up. And there's certain cultures actually where the majority of people do this more so. And people say, I don't like that culture. So literally, unfortunately, racism can come into play. But at the same time, then when someone does a presentation, they don't want to be like that. So guess what they don't do? They don't put their head up and they go, um, hey, guys, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to um, give this presentation in, in front of my class. And I'm like, please, can you please give us a little, see, now I'm going back to wealth. Can you please give, give me a little more wealth, right? <laughs> Remove some of your bias. So what happens is, is if we are truly can be instruments of God's peace, then we can actually consciously make a decision to either go like in one, this is wealth or down, this is approval. And then head level would be respect. And that's in terms of communication. That's in terms of rules. That's in terms of structure and status. So uh, those are three of the six embodied motivants. Um, But, you know, just to give an example of it, but I can literally begin to start thinking of this to say, if I was giving a speech and I said, you know, hey, guys, this means a lot to me and it's just so great. This is just the best part of my life. You wouldn't really believe it as much. But if I said, hey, guys, before I start, I just want to tell you something. This moment means a lot to me. Right. You can immediately tell, OK, there was something more sincere there. So depending on if we're working with someone speaking that that needs sincerity, we haven't put their head down. Somebody needs to be more getting to the point. Head goes up. Hmm. I can see as I'm thinking about my sure. interactions just today, yeah. I can think about 20 sure. <laughs> interactions yeah. where those things make sense. You know, yeah. so so your your head movements are at least part of that. Your head movements sure. signify what's motivating you as you're doing what it is you're doing. Right. And you may, based on other factors, almost negate it a little bit. Right. You know, like I don't want to appear this yeah. way, so I'm going to kind of force it down. And and that that then looks insincere. Well, sure. And that's and that's one of the things as far as, um, you know, congruency is very important. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if, you know, some king says, I want you to bow down to me. I'm like, OK, I bow down to you. But you can tell because all the other tells and the face mm-hmm. and the tone <laughs> of your voice, you're saying, screw you. You know, that's like. <laughs> right. um, it's like that uh, bo- oh, this is an MMA fighter that just got the tattoo. I love Jake Paul, but he got it on his middle finger, like a classic example. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's signaling other stuff. So yeah, so so that's why we say you can't be simplistic with it. Um, just like if you're playing a sport, right? If somebody appears to be going right, they may be setting you up to go left. Um, but regardless, there is a symbiotic relationship. We're not as Descartes said, you know, souls that are trapped in the body, right? There's an actual body soul composite that were mixed together in the image of God. And therefore we don't go to the mistake of Gnosticism or any of these things that we can separate out our body and our spirit. What we do matters 
and it affects our mind, it affects our souls. And therefore, that's a lot of people going to therapy these days. They're doing things with their body that they shouldn't. And it's directly affecting how they feel and their souls and their and their spirits and their moods. Um, but they've been told from, you know, Rene Descartes on that these are completely separate. And then eventually we get to the materialistic place. This is we don't even have souls. We don't we don't have a spirit. So you can do whatever you want. Um, but time and time again, if you look at the scientific evidence of what really screws people up, what we do with our bodies matter. And now it's time that we do something for the glory of God, but we actually take ownership of it. So we don't have to take a yoga class that will then lead us down other bad paths in one way or the other, that we use it, um, you know, for the glory of God. Yeah. When you, you just mentioned the word therapy in there and that got Mm -hmm. me thinking because this kind of relates to it. I know someone who, I think it's, their therapist uses a method and I might have the acronym sure. wrong because I hate acronyms. Yeah, I think it's right, EMDR. Sure. It might mm-hmm. be switched around there, but they basically, as they are recalling events from their past or thinking through issues, they have yeah. like a clicker in each hand and they just are kind of clicking them back and forth to right. engage both sides of your brain, right. which again, makes me think about the feeling and the thinking Sure, because different sides of our brain are, working for different purposes. You know, you have right. an emotional and a logical center. And so that right. makes sense that you would, to me, at least it just, that's just a click for me that I'm realizing. Right. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and those things, again, those, those techniques can, can work to a certain extent, just like rapid eye uh, is sure. another one that, um, but what we would say is by once they understand this, it'll take those types of therapies to a whole nother level. Yeah. And, and, um, because those are almost like accidents upon which the substance that you can address directly, um, just like positive affirmations are kind of like an accidental way that you could begin to start changing your life. Whereas the substance um, is really the belief, the underlying belief. And sometimes somebody, like you said before, they may say, they may say something to force it, but they don't really believe it. And they're hoping that eventually it'll pick up. Well, it's better to treat it, treat it at the root. And that's what we would do. But again, you know, clearly people have noticed, like, like, I'll give you a good example. Um, One of the other of the six motivants is feeling plus auditory, and that's balance. So anytime the head goes over here, lower and to, and the eyes will go feeling and auditory on this side, it's balance. So balance is made between feeling and auditory. So what is it not made of? The other two sensory blocks, I I probably should say the four sensory blocks. So it's visual are the Mm -hmm. upper corners. This is auditory and this is feeling and thinking. And and the quick mnemonic we teach people is we say you look up at a plane. So up, visual, look at a plane, auditory, cross and who's talking to you. Mm-hmm. And then the final one is feeling and thinking. And we say, just pretend that you were wearing a shirt that says feet. And then it'd be F-E-E-T, where this is feeling and this is thinking. And you can also picture another person that's also wearing a shirt. So you don't have to get confused about their their left or your right or any right. of that stuff. You just picture, you picture a shirt for them, you picture a shirt for yourself. So in that case, then, if I'm going feeling plus auditory, what I'm the two sensory blocks that I blocked out are visual and auditory. I'm sorry, a visual and thinking. So in that case, so I even just close my eyes at that point. At the point that I'm closing my eyes, I'm cutting off the visual. 
Have you ever noticed when people go like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this or any, right? They're cutting off the visual. I literally just showed as I said the wrong thing, I purposely closed my eyes or, you know, reflectively, uh, reflexively. So in that situation, restaurant owners know you dim the lights, less visual, you play nice music, more auditory, right? Comfortable situation, more feeling helps to bring somebody in balance and balance is actually associated is assigned to the um, the sense of taste. So therefore, what do they want people to do more? Relax and eat and enjoy themselves. And so they they didn't need Nakani caps to do this, but Nakani caps helps to understand why this would work. And the exact opposite for offices, what do they do? Crank the lights up, right? Put those fluorescents way up to keep people awake. They don't want that to happen unless it was beneficial for their for their uh, their company. Same thing when you want to concentrate. What do you not have? You want you don't want a bunch of sound going in. You want the quiet. So we all kind of sense these things, but now we actually have the laws upon which um, you know these realities are true. And therefore, from this, I mean, I will listen to music in one ear or the other ear or both ears because it discernibly makes a difference. I'll talk with the phone one ear or the other because it discernibly makes a difference. These are things that weren't really known before. And then you have things like left brain, right brain that were good first attempts, but again, way too simplistic, right? Like at the point we're supposed to be like, oh, now we're bilateralization. Which this is really, for, once you understand the conicaps, you realize that you're constantly cycling between thinking and feeling or the left brain, right brain. You're constantly cycling. So it's not just bilateral. It's not just a wash of it. We can actually mm-hmm. discernibly see when somebody's shifting from one place to the other. And therefore you can do lots of really cool things with this. It, it just, it, it's a whole new frontier for researchers and we can't wait to share it with other people so they can take their talents uh, to help us apply it in all the ways that it could be. So as you're explaining it, I can almost picture you and your wife, like, like you had your light bulb moment where you're like, oh, wait a minute, we're seeing this whole picture. And then yeah. everywhere you go, it's you see it in action. It was, cra- like- it was crazy. It's still it's still crazy. It's so crazy. No, it is. It is like a Matrix like moment. I mean, and, and it really hasn't stopped. Um, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And the more times we can see things when we watch the experts like, for instance, we're going to make a series of videos on the, the, the Gabby uh, Petito case and the unfortunate one. But to show the markers that even the experts aren't talking about. Um, and we hope, first and foremost, that people can start applying it, which includes couples, right? Mm-hmm. So at least Gabby could have seen where Brian was going, given him a fast chance to change, and if not, got the heck out of there, uh, where law enforcement would have been duped the way that they were, as you can see from that that footage. And um, the body language experts uh, wouldn't have essentially said that Brian was the victim <laughs> They went along with the cops on that, which is just insane. I mean, if I was making a living on that, the last thing I'd want to do is, is, is bet, bet on the wrong horse that you already know that. Anyway. Tell me some more about how this, how this works in real life. Sure. Um, so the first thing, uh, so the first thing we'd probably do is we would go through and, help people just understand what's most important to them. And so a lot of times what's most important to them 
are the um, interactions that they have at work and interpersonally. And one of the big challenges that people have is they don't understand where somebody's coming from at that point. So, for instance, approval is notorious for not actually saying what they feel. And guys, and <laughs> always in particular, are something, hey, honey, you said this. But if somebody's in approval and they're saying something, a lot of times you can't take them at face value. It's not they're lying to you. It's they're coming from the motivation of approval. So, for instance, uh, you know, I'm half Japanese and and um, in the Japanese culture, there is a pattern that you deny something twice before the third time you accept it. Right. And so. Um, so, you know, oh, would you like this? Oh, no, that's, that's OK. Would you like this? Oh, no, no, that's OK. Would you like? OK, thank you. And so the whole point is at that same point is if you just take face value, well, if you want it, you should have said it, right? Well, that the culture is very, has a lot of approval to it. So when you're reading somebody, you have to see what they're motivated by that time. And almost like you're going to a different planet with a different language, with a different MO, with everything. But the difference is once then you have that approval person, well, that approval person will oftentimes flip to respect. So for instance, if we have here feeling plus thinking, what are we, what have we left over with visual plus auditory? Well, that will flip over to respect. So you'll meet somebody uh, that's approval and they'll be quiet, quiet, quiet. And then all of a sudden they'll come out like a lion and the person will be like, where did this come from? Right? Well, once you understand that motivants are tied together in what we call continuums, you will be able to anticipate what people will do better because they'll cycle back through those through those areas. Um, so like uh, here, a classic example is in sports. Oftentimes, respect quarterbacks will do great during the season. And then sometimes if the things are not in, in a great situation, like Peyton Manning is a classic example, respect primary, he would actually choke when – everything was on the pressure of it because respect has a certain way to process it. And if you don't take care of how respect processes it, it will actually flip to approval, which is basically extra feeling concerned about things. Whereas, um, so this is, this is where we could work with athletes to be able to help to understand why people choke. It's a very specific reason and it can be averted um, by applying it. But um, yeah, it's, we've done everything from, We've, you know, looked at, at cases um, like another another uh, murder case, which I probably <laughs> won't want to bring up now. Uh, I had nightmares when I was working on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, but but plenty of situations where people are given way more tells than they realize. And eventually we want to teach this to law enforcement so that they'll stop using those CCTV cams way up here that are that are, you know, yeah. look like 1980s VCR tapes. And instead, getting way more footage, and then once we teach them how to break down uh, these reads, they're going to get way uh, more information than ever thought. Well, it may even help, you know, with the on the street stuff. You know, I mean, you're, oh sure, you're walking up to somebody in a car. Do is this person going to attack me, or is this person right? You know, I mean, you know, they might not be well, able to know for sure, but at least if they understand motivation, then they can 
steer the conversation that way because I think a lot of times, you know, you might end up agitating or irritating the situation if you're not paying attention to the other person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and that's one of the other things I think, um, like, for instance, they oftentimes say, though, there's like studies where they had um, whether or not uh, an animal would be prey or not is they would actually put uh, two heads on each side. So no matter where they walked, their head was facing forward and their natural predators would not attack them. Well, it's a similar thing where if you know what somebody's going to be looking for, you can have just enough to be confident, but not too much to be aggressive. And um, in order to put out the same vibe and then also read their, uh, you know, tells to see what's what's going on with them. And um, yeah, so it's it's and that's the fun part about it. It's it's like a sport. You're using it every single moment, um, but you don't think about it the same way if you're driving you're using all these things, but you're kind of using them unconsciously. By the time you learn this, you're not even thinking about it. Uh, you're just you're just kind of soaking up the information and uh, in real time, just unconsciously responding. It, this actually reminds me, I have a friend who's a mathematician and um, she's, a, she's a believer as well. And she mm-hmm. kind of describes math as something that God invented and, and oh, wrote sure. into the universe, which makes yeah. sense. But yeah. She says that math was discovered, not created or invented or written right it was discovered and and this almost reminds me of that like like this isn't and you describe it as a discovery i think when you first when we were talking it's yeah this isn't that it's something that you guys are like really smart and figured out right (laughs) oh yeah no it's like yeah it's just wait this is what's here right and this makes sense and then we're going to test it which honestly is science right right like sure i'm making an observation let's see what happens if we test it and yeah it keeps proving the hypothesis for you right so, right yeah and that's and that's the crazy thing is because the usual standard in science are correlations that have statistical significance ours we say is 100 percent of the time meaning once you know the reads we can take any situation 100% of the time, even if somebody's trying to fool it, that's the crazy thing is even if someone's trying to fool it, there's enough data that over time, over a very short period of time, we'll be able to track that. Um, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when people try to balance on those logs, you can do it for a certain amount, but I don't care how good you are. You, you can't do it 24 seven, even the world expert on the will eventually fall in the water. And that's the same thing with, um, with this system and our tagline, actually one of our taglines is um, discovered by man designed by God, because ultimately this is for his glory. And we believe that there were many people uh, before us that could have discovered this, but we believe that God actually held back just like the Bible talks about that God can withhold knowledge until for his appointed time, right? He's foreknows before the foundation of the earth. He knows these things and he can choose to give it to whoever he wants to for his glory. And, um, you know, it would be ironic that he would take uh, people like Audra and I to be able to do this rather than, you know, a major multi-million dollar uh, grant and what scientists are going to unlock people. Instead, we look at what they're doing. And again, it's, it's laughable. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, and I don't want, I don't mean to be disrespectful because I want you, I want to work with these people in the future, but um, 
you begin to start looking at, at things like the five factor model. You start looking at um, MBTI, look at a lot of what um, and, you know, what uh, Jordan B. Peterson came up with an offshoot of the five factor. All these things are very they're they're just wrong. They're, they're just they're not they're not correct because they don't work the way science and nature actually work. Like, for instance, if I was to say, you know, I have one type that's daylight and I have one type that's night. You say, well, nothing's purely daylight and nothing's Mm. purely night. Or if I say, oh, here's one location, Los Angeles. Here's another uh, location, New York City. You say, yes, but what time of the year it is? Where are you? What are all all the other factors with it? And all these other models are static that then go to stereotype, which then go to bias. And what we do is take at the moment, is, is it in winter? Is it in summer? Here are the readings with it. And then we give a range upon which what could happen rather than us definitely predicting that this is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why even if you weren't a believer, if you just believed in science, you know, your own logic should tell you that uh, the rest of science doesn't deal in these static things. It deals in cycles and it deals in relationship of reactions, chemical, physical, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me too of the whole concept of personality types. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, my wife is always telling me which Enneagram type or the, sure. there's the disc profile. Oh yeah. yeah. It only has four things in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, there, you know, so then, I, and then I like the one that translates to animals because that makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, nobody that I know is ever just one of those things, right? You know, right? They're always, right. they're always multiples, and sometimes it gets deep enough that it's like, what's the point in the test? Because they literally, at any given point, could manifest any of these, right? Things. And that is, and that really is the problem because these, what these tests are doing is they're making buckets based off of real people. So therefore, there must be something that they're drawing from that's real. The problem is people aren't static. And number two, they don't deal with how science actually deals with things. Like, for instance, uh, there's only four nucleobasetides in DNA, but those four combine in pairs in 3 billion pairs to make someone's DNA. So there's only four, but it combines 3 billion times. Same thing as far as a flat screen TV, only three colors, red, green, and blue. But there's millions upon millions of pixels that are constantly switching in different levels of intensity of red, green, and blue from moment to moment of a big collage that makes for motion. That's the same way Nakani Caps deals with it. These other personality systems, it's a little like me taking a big paintbrush and painting the entire screen red. You are red or you are dominant or you are uh, amiable or you are uh, extroverted or you are agreeable. Mm -hmm. And that's all they're doing is they're painting that thing. We're saying, you know, (laughs) I'm like, did I tell you a crazy pill here? Like, like what's what's but and yet I was one of those people as well. I mean, I I was interested in personality systems like like everybody else, but we were just as blind to it. And then once God lifted the veil and we go, okay, this makes way more sense. And now we look back at these systems and we just see all these things as different forms of pseudoscience. Yeah. Or maybe 
like they get a little tiny piece right. Well, they, they get they get it right for the snapshot. So, like sure. for instance, if where I am um, at twelve o'clock noon, I take a picture. That picture is right for where I am mm-hmm. at twelve o'clock noon. It doesn't say whether or not at nine o'clock when thunderclouds come in. It, it right. It's not doing that, and it's not saying whether or not you know I'm hangry. It's not right. saying what's happened. Right. Or any of these other things. And that's the problem with it is we keep waiting for it to be right or we keep wanting to fit people in these buckets. And that's the complete opposite of what God's asking us to do, which is from moment to moment to follow his will. Instead, we're all trying to put ourselves pigeonhole ourselves into these little buckets. And the more that we do that, we can't be like, you know, take Moses. Was Moses shy? Or was Moses bold? Well, Moses started out as shy, and his shyness caused him to have to be paired up with his brother Aaron. But by the end of it, he gets banished from the promised land because he's too bold. <laughs> so which one Which one is he? And you can't right. just say that he's, again, that's, that's the problem, is that we yeah. are complex people that from moment to moment, we either choose God's will or we deny it and we blaspheme him. That's if we're trying to deal with a true personality system, everything else is a fabrication. It's a picture that's static and God doesn't work with with static. He works with things that are alive and dynamic. I think that is a very great explanation. So I don't know how far your system is in the works. Like, is there, have you guys written a book? Have you, where, where is this go from here? Well, um, so up to this point, um, it was very important for us to try to reach out to as many um, people to essentially give God as much glory as possible. And um, the challenge is, is people time and time again said, become rich and famous first, then we'll listen to you. Right. <laughs> and we're like, no, this is for God's glory. We have to prove that, that we will do anything, you you know, that, that we'll give this for free, we'll take this away, we'll wipe everything away, we'll wipe our names from it, just as long as God's glory will be done. But um, we're now at the point where we realize, um, it's very similar when St. Francis Xavier was trying to um, uh, bring Christianity to Japan, and the, the challenge was he was trying to be meek and humble, and the Japanese people did not take to humble. And so what he then realized is that he actually had to come with a bunch of gold gifts and be carried on this big, big platform. And then they finally would listen to him. And so, unfortunately, I think our society has gone so far, even with believers, unfortunately, have gone, has gone so far secular. Uh, and even Jesus had that problem. We said, you know. Like when they go, what's another miracle is like, how many times, right? Like, how long do I have to keep doing this uh, before? And then other people might believe it. And then he goes back to him. He says, okay, you like my words, but you're not acting on them. And so those are the two big challenges. Number one, people need miracles or people need shows of power. And number two, they need to actually apply it. Not be like, oh, that's great. God's glory. And now not actually apply it to become any holier. So um, our focus now is, okay, 
like uh, the book of Romans, where it says, sometimes you have to go out to the Gentiles in order to make the believers jealous. Uh, we're going to open it up to everybody and and uh, and anybody to apply it to their life, but we'll always be unabashedly open about where we believe it came from and whose glory it's meant for. And um, and then that's why we're going to start branching out more to, um, we'd say an alternative to self-help because uh, self-help as it is right now is just infested with new age thought. And so people in the situation, they have the struggle because they know that they need motivation. They know they need a coach or some help, but they, but they also know that is the deeper they get toward it, it's going to slowly subtly move it uh, them away, which included myself. I mean, I, I went away from my faith for a long time for the sake of improving myself and becoming, uh, um, you know, uh, successful. And um, so we hope to do that and then apply it to different disciplines. So for instance, if someone wants to be a better speaker, if someone wants to be a better parent, or somebody wants to uh, uh, have better team building or negotiation or uh, sales techniques or anything else like that, we can take CAPS plus any of these other areas to help them um, grow, but it's always going to have that TM stamp back to God for his glory. And guess what? If you don't like it, our equations, our seven equations, the seven motivants are on page one of Genesis. That's something that you guys will not be able to deny. It's not a comic book. It's not a myth. And uh, it's, it's for his glory. And, um, a lot of people, I think they still need so much help in their life that like, you know what, I'm willing, I'm willing to take it. And once they taste and they see, I do believe um, that a lot of people will be more open to becoming believers because of it. I think that you are looking at, yeah, entering that personal development, self-help help space, which is a space I'm familiar with. That's kind of yeah. where I'm working as well. And, sure, you know, and, uh, you know, I think in and, and it, every time that I, write something and I'm using keywords, you know, and, and right, SEO sure. stuff. And I'm yeah. like, it just kind of makes you like, uh, mm. I hate calling it this because I, you know, oh, it, it is, it is, <laughs> it is, it is about, I mean, my wife and I will still use words like extroversion, even though we know like it's, it's, it's not a real concept that um, we get our energy from, um, being with somebody or get our energy from being alone. Like you think about solitary confinement, you take the, the hardest of the hard criminals. And what do you do? You put them alone. Well, there should have been a percentage of introverts that would have loved that. Right. Right. Uh, and the, the truth of the matter is sometimes we get our energy with people and sometimes we need a break. And even the biggest celebrities, the, the biggest extroverts will still go to what secluded islands to get away from everybody because really our body is like a cycle and we have to figure out the balance between private and public between introverted extroverted between agreeable and assertive between any of these things and it's it's you know like what um uh the writings of of solomon right that there's always a season right there's a time mm -hmm. for each of these things I have always considered myself an extroverted person. You know, I'm a sure. performer and a, right. a podcaster and a writer and all these things. Sure. And, yeah. You know, and generally that's what I like. I like yeah. to be around people. Sure. I like to be in front of people. And then after my dad died, you know, the past couple of years, I've actually like 
my threshold for people is a little bit lower. Right. You know, and I'm like, yeah, no, I would rather, you know, no, I don't really want to go to that party. I just want to. Right. You know, because, yeah, there's a season to it. And yeah. And that's not the best indicator for personality or who you are. I exactly. I that, exactly. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the 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 biggest takeaway is understanding that we're all different at different times. Yes. And that, that we're in cycles and that we move around. Right. In and I think that as as we're learning to understand other people, if yeah, like you said, if there's context clues, you know, yeah. so that you can understand the language that they're speaking without just their mouth and their you right. know. Right. Oh and, and you know this there's one thing I'd be remiss without saying because because these seven mode events are actually littered throughout the Bible. So, for instance, um, uh, you take uh, the the Beatitudes. It, uh, the the this, the first seven of the eight Beatitudes are these seven motivants. And you go through the Ten Commandments. You go through the seven churches of Revelation. So the cool the cool thing about it is for those that are open, we actually have a part where we go through the mappings of it, so that. It's Jesus himself that's teaching the conicaps, not us. And what he's doing, because we really believe that the, the parables were actually encoded in such a way that Jesus was actually using something that um, once you understand this, he'll teach you. Here's the good part of, let's just say, respect. Right. And uh, which is chastity. Here's the bad part of, of respect, which is uh, self-righteousness or pride. So you think of that, see that with the Pharisees, right? You'd yeah. be good at not doing certain things, but they took too much pride in it. Here's the virtue of humility, right? Approval, which is humility. What's the bad part of approval, humility? It's lust. And what sense do we realize that approval is tied to? Because all these motivants are actually tied to one of the senses of the body. Um, there's six embodied in one seventh, just like there's six days of creation in one seventh. So um, you say, well, we have five senses. Where do you get the six? Because you have sound going out, which is respect, and sound going in, which is thought, which is revolution. So now you have six embodied motivants. So each one of those things are tied to it. So if this seems too um, nebulous to people, you could just say, okay, great. If someone has sight, that's tied to their want, that's wealth. Somebody is eating that's t- tied to balance, taste, the mixture between different things. Um, someone's talking that's respect, communication. And you begin to see then Jesus keeps talking in these ways. When is it good to go to balance? When he multiplies the loaves. When is it bad to go to balance? When you become slothful, right? When you become lazy, when you don't want to do it. I don't want to go to the wedding, right? I don't want to. I've got something else I've got to do. And so that's, to us, that's the most fun part about it because we get out of the way and let God teach his own system that we just help to um, help to translate. I am excited to see where this is going to go. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to thank you. <laughs> looking forward to continuing oh, yeah, to it's, it it's, and, it's, and see it yeah. come together. Yeah. Thank you. So, so uh, you know, as we've got a lot of guys that are listening and mm-hmm. uh, I, I wonder as a father, I know you've sure. got, uh, you know, a bunch of kids running around, Yep. you know, does this apply? Have you seen this apply in fatherhood oh, yeah. in your in, in leading your home? Oh, okay. absolutely, completely. Um, and you know, one of the simplest things is guys in general have an overlay of three of the motivants. We have wealth, we have victory, 
and we have revolution, right? Wealth, go do things, control things, victory, conquer, right? Compete, uh, build, and revolution. Uh, abstractly think about things, right? Go to the cigar room and, and talk philosophy and, and politics. And the challenge is, is sometimes we have a hard time shutting that off. So then our kids come around and they need what? Approval, touch, hugs. They need to be balanced, joking around. And so one of the biggest things that in using your, your, your soul to then say, using my will and my intellect, I have to say, pull in that part and be able to switch at a drop of a dime. When I didn't know this and prior to raising kids, prior to us making this discovery, I had a really hard time switching. And then I would blame it and say, that's just how guys are. Like this, mm-hmm. look, you're just going to have to get used to this. And instead, what I found is to be like a true noble warrior that's able to conquer and defeat in the battlefield. But then at a drop of a dime, after the war is done, be able to, you know, gently hold a baby or gently defend somebody is really that stretch that is so difficult, right? People say, look, I'm tough, but I don't talk about my feelings or all my feelings, but I'm not very tough. It's like, no, God wants everything because we have to reflect his glory and he can be as great as a thunderous part of Moses, right? With the people, or he can be that, that small, still voice. And, um, that's been probably the biggest part. And once your kids read that for you and you can read what they need, then, um, you know, it's just, you're set for life. I, I definitely can agree. I know, especially earlier on, you know, we have four kids, three of yeah. them are grown, one left at yeah. home, almost grown. And I'm like, man, if I look back, I'm like, you know, we always have regrets, you know, sure. like, man, I wish I could have done that a little better. Yeah. But I, I do think, you know, I think we did a pretty good job, but I frequently look back and I'm like, man, I just wish I would have like listened more or sure. not jumped to conclusions or not tried to demand, yeah. you know, that they, and yeah. So I, oh, I, yeah. I can, I can see, yeah, they needed approval. They needed to, yeah. so, you know, you try to make up for it now and. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that's the great thing is, is is that's the second half of it is love covers a multitude of sins. Mm, Yeah. And so even with our older kids who again, midstream is when we discovered the kind of caps. And prior to that, we were kind of going off the hipster model of, you know, let kids be creative and don't break their spirits. And then we quickly (laughs) realized where that gets you. Um, And then we kind of created, you know, some challenges there. And then we had to bring come heavy handed with the discipline there and now it's kind of coming full circle where I think a lot of times if you generally do the middle of the our father, right? Forgive us our sins as we wish to be forgiven, right? In this in this place, um, I, I'm, I'm constantly renewing the relationship with each of, of our kids. And, you, and, you're, and it's like a plant. It's, no matter how good it was, even if you did everything perfect or we did everything perfect, which we didn't, still, if you stop feeding that plant, it will die. And, um, and that's what I, it all constantly humbles me, no matter how good I've done or no matter how bad poorly I've done, I always get a second chance. Uh, and I also am required to really. 
but by love. Yeah, I we used to tell the kids when they were little, uh, we're going to do the best we can and let therapy sort you out later. <laughs> but um, uh, but even now that they're adults, I find you know now they're all still fairly young adults, so yeah. you know they don't need me as much as they needed me earlier. But sure. I still find myself you know in that situation where it's like yeah i still have a responsibility here they still need yeah. you know i it, i can't necessarily discipline them but i can you know i can affirm them and i can love sure. them and i can say you're being an idiot yeah <laughs> when yeah. they need to hear that you know yeah yeah oh absolutely and that's you know um you know the interesting thing if we just you know brush quickly on the on the three uh, continuums one of the continuums is respect and approval because it was back and forth. That's the first one that you can affect change. So respect the rules and communication of affirmation and then approval or disapproval, right? Oh, I like that or I don't like that. The, the next one goes to wealth and victory, right? Money, you're, you're rewarding somebody or victory, you're basically like putting them in jail. <laughs> like you're finding them or putting them in jail and the negative or you're giving them money, right? or giving them success in the other standpoint. Why this is important is because oftentimes people will jump too quickly to the heaviest handed one, which is the strongest discipline. Mm. And they don't realize how sometimes the subtleness of a subtle approval or disapproval will influence somebody as much as, as they can. And then the final one is the balance and revolution, which is the thought and the opinion, sometimes you literally just have to give your opinion and say, hey, good luck, man. Like, you know, I lived my life. You're living your life. I hope to God I see you in heaven. Uh, but, you know, and you almost have to be, give the soft sell approach. So mm-hmm. when you describe that, you kind of made me think more of that. It's true when you're a parent, you're physically providing them material goods. That's all wealth. You're like the king. And you're, you could physically um, give them physical punishment. We used to make my kids do push-ups, right? If they got in trouble. So you could physically do that. Once they get older, you don't have that ability as much. So therefore, you have to rely more on the respect and approval place. Here's my advice. And the balance and revolution. Look, here's the way I think of it, but good, good luck yeah. with it, you know? That's, I, seeing that matrix makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I like I said, I'm looking forward to learning more about all this, man. I'm going to be uh-huh. kind of following what you're doing and seeing as oh, it starts you. to come into the system that is consumable, you know, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what you guys are working and building now. Right. So Absolutely. Um I'm I'm excited to see it and uh, you know, I think it'd be really you know, we'll be keeping our our listeners informed with it too. I want them to oh, see you. this as it goes. I think it's really cool. So I like to ask this question. There's a couple questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is this, Brennan, if, if a six or seven year old Brennan walks in the room and Oof. you have the opportunity to speak into his life and tell him something that he needs to know, what is that going to be? That's a, that's a good question. Um, if I was to boil it down to one thing, like, let's just say, you know, I see him for one minute and he goes one way and I go the other way. I would say that there is always two sides that both seem good, but one 
leads to life and one leads to death or sadness. And they both have promise to them. Um, I think as I was growing up, a lot of times you say, oh, well, this is really good. And therefore I should go for this. But I didn't see the, 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 what it was taking me away from. It's that budget thing, right? It always seems great if you spend $100 on a brand new stereo, but then you don't realize you don't have any other money for groceries, you have money for, you know, CDs or, or whatnot, uh, MP3 downloads. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm showing my age. Um, but, you know, that's the big part. And especially for guys, you know, with as much temptation that's out these days. And they feel like, okay, what I get power from this, but you say, but you're also being taken power from this. And, oh, but this makes me weak because I'm missing this opportunity. But you say, but you're actually winning in this situation. And I really didn't do that mind game until years later that I understood more about um, what was going to give me life. And that's, you know, like, for instance, even with my wife, where I, I, I use it as I compete for her um, approval of me every single day. So I try to conquer her to re-love me. I try to conquer my kids to re-love me as opposed to, I think a lot of people might think I've already conquered my wife and kids. Now I need to conquer other things because I already have them. Um, I didn't understand that young and I made a lot of stupid decisions because of that. So I, I just try to help them understand for whatever good you think there is, there's something else tied to it for everything that you think is too much to sacrifice. There's going to be, um, you know, something great that comes from it. Thank you. Excellent answer. And that's something worth thinking about. I like that. Thank you. So the next question is this. All of the guys that are listening today, what is your best advice for them? I mean, the elephant in the room for all guys tends to be um, sins of the flesh. I mean, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. But most people aren't going around killing people. Most people aren't going around stealing things from people. Um, but the biggest challenge that's oftentimes, even with believers, allowed to exist are sins of the flesh. And, um, you know, and I myself struggled with that for years and not not always acting on it necessarily. But um, and the biggest piece of advice that I would give and I would definitely give to myself if I was to go back is what you symbolically associate to a person is really what you're feeling. It's not actually the person. It's not actually the form. And if you can begin to start noticing what this means to you, begin to realize that you're getting your worth and importance from things that will lead you off of a cliff. And if you begin to start putting meaning to other things, um, like, for instance, being faithful to one person and finding that one person as opposed to looking, you know, the grass is greener over there. Um, that's the thing that most guys these days, they're constantly getting triggered by um, really as, as, as tough as guys are supposed to be. 
it's really their emotions. That's the crazy thing. Sins of the flesh are all about your feelings. And instead, if you change how you think about something, just like Jesus talks about as far as for even if you if you picture something in your mind or you think things in your mind, but if you also change it, you can then actually lead yourself to feel the right way for the right people. And you could disallow the other feeling like, okay, the person looks very attractive. Think of them as your sister or think of them as the temptation that the Bible talks about that will eventually be the skeleton, right? Any of these things. Um, but you have to start employing your thoughts actively as the battle rather than passively because the opposition knows what tastes good, what looks good, what all those things. And if we don't use our mind to help engage that battle, then then you're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I can relate to that as well, man. I definitely uh, early on in our marriage, I carried over some bad habits, you know, porn, that sure. kind of stuff, and yeah. didn't really fully understand what was happening. And right, and uh, yeah, it took a it took a little while to really change that mindset. Yeah. You know, your mind. I love the word mindset because that's exactly yeah. what it is. Your mind is set on something. And, right, dude. I yeah. was. You know, uh, like I, I had to change what I watched on TV. There were shows that right. didn't have anything bad in them, right? But for whatever reason, you know, that actress or that, you oh, know, sure, it would stir stuff up, yeah. with thoughts going, and then right. next thing you know, I'm, you know, acting yeah. out on it. You know, oh yeah, and and that's and that's the crazy thing about it is, you know, I always um, give the the great example of like um, Halle uh, Berry. Uh, I always say Holly Berry. My wife always corrects me. Uh, but at Halle Berry, um, how her husband, you know, back in the day was cheating on her. And she was, would have been the, you know, archetype of the beautiful person for all these other people. And yet the way that, that the mind works, Right. It's, you know, not conquering it or anything else like that. And that's the reason why I always try to wipe it clean to then say, don't imagine that I have this person in my life. I have to re-earn their love every single day. Not not earn it in a bad way, but earn it in a way that I get to try to impress them and and, and romance them. Because guys, still, we, we still need that challenge. Mm-hmm. But we also need to go to heaven, most importantly. <laughs> and and I think, you know, for me, and I struggled the same as well, uh, uh, is in struggling with those things. And it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it really is everywhere. And it doesn't, even if you're not outright watching, you know, X, Y, or Z, just turning on anything on HBO or, or whatnot, they will find a way to get something in, in front of you. And that's when I really had to begin to start looking at um, what does this mean to me? And for some way, it was a false sense of power. It was a false sense of of being accepted or approved of. It's false sense of, of any of these things. And you begin to start looking and going, this is all fake. This is all fake. And, and all it's doing is it's leading to destroy me. And the worst part of it is that the person in my life, it's helping to have that person shut down from me. And then, you know, 
some guys get midlife crisis and they move on to younger people because then they get the opportunity again to get that feedback. Well, instead, thankfully, in my situation, I, you know, went to God, asked for help with this, began to see this and began to start, you know, praying for God to see how does he want me to see the situation, but at the same time, still allow for that conquering part of me. So every day I try to conquer my wife's heart. And every day I know that the devil's trying to conquer me in a different way. And I just go, look, you know, and now I feel great about it, but it, but it takes time, but you absolutely can break that cycle between getting, you know, taking from the wrong, the wrong tree. Yeah. Well, and I think it's true of really any particular temptation, you know, it's just right. a matter of, you know, whether, whether your issue is drinking too much or, sure. you know, or whatever, I think it's just a matter of really right. understanding who you are, who you were made to be. And does this yeah. line up with that? And then you have yeah. to make the changes to change your mind. You know, you have right. to make external changes. And if, if you really care about it and really want to do it, you'll do right. it. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And like, like you said, I think we also need sometimes some divine help. We have to say, God, right. I don't, I can't fix this. I need right. help with it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and again, drinking is what it's associated with what good times and, and, and reducing my nerves and, and oh, this is, we can all joke about this, but at, at a certain point I get it. And, you know, I like having a beer as much as anybody else, but when we start making it our God, then um, it really starts to lock us in a prison. And that's the thing I begin to realize, wait a second, at the end of when I'm, you know, getting drunk or right, being in a lustful state of mind, why do I feel like I'm in prison? If, if it's supposed to make me stronger, if I'm just crushing it right now, why do I feel smaller and worse? And why do the people in my life look at me that I really trust and care about their view of me, think of me less? And, and you begin to go, oh, wait a second, I, I keep getting fooled like Pinocchio. I need to need, need to change something. And, you know, praise be God, I did. And now it's great. And now I'm hopefully, you know, I like being raw and honest with, with guys because a lot of times, you know, we, we beat around the bush uh, talking about what really the issue is. And, um, and hopefully, you know, people can relate to this. Yeah, it's uncomfortable sometimes to bear yeah. that and to talk about it. And, you know, and look, I mean, women have issues, too, and they've got struggles, sure. too. But I think for whatever reason, we guys like to be tough, so we don't want to admit it. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, dude, I think that's some great advice. I think uh, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So this is one of those moments, I think, where the guys watching the show, go ahead and hit rewind and listen to all that again. <laughs> listen to that, that the answer to that question again, because I think there's some good stuff in there for us to unpack. But. Okay, so let's say the guys that are listening want to connect with you and uh, the work that your wife and you are doing. Uh, sure. What's the best way for them to get in touch with with that right now? Sure. Um, well, um, it's going to be our website, which is uh, Nakane Caps. That's N as in Nicholas, A-K-A-N-E, Caps, C-A-P-S dot com. And... Um, on there, we'll advertise our four different YouTube channels that we're just, again, like you like you referred, we're just getting started, uh, getting it out to the public. Um, 
And uh, but that's the best way. We're going to be putting out a free ebook uh, shortly for people, and we're going to start putting out programs depending on uh, how people are interested to actually apply uh, for their life. So it's going to be based upon feedback from people. What do they first and foremost want? And also areas that we have expertise on. But NakanaCaps.com is the best way. And then the four channels we're going to have, uh, one's going to be a YouTube on NakanaCaps. Another one's going to be NakanaCaps Family, where we actually show the behind the scenes of our family. And um, miraculously speaking, over a million to one probability, uh, we have all six possible primaries and uh, secondaries with our kids, with, with our six kids. And so um, it's kind of like this beautiful Petri dish that we can show you from the day they were born on these traits and how they're consistent. So it's interesting. Plus you can apply it to your family life. Um, And then we'll have the Jesus OS, which is applying it to, to scripture, um, to your faith life. And the final one is our crazy mission, which is going to kind of be like, more us um it's going to be like our x files if anybody knows that show back in the day or just any of that kind of being called on this crazy mission when you're getting signs and you're thinking like you're seeing jesus in the clouds and right but we've documented a lot of those moments that god led us um in what could have otherwise been a worldly successful place apart from god he asked us to sacrifice everything so those are the four things that we're uh, how we're going to get the message out Awesome. I'll, I have been watching that work and I'm going to continue to watch it. And I'm sure that our guys uh, that are listening today would appreciate kind of following along as well. So I do appreciate you sharing that with me, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. Great talking awesome. with you. I can't tell you how much I appreciated Brennan for taking the time to be with us, guys. Let's make sure that we support and follow the work that he's doing at Nakane Caps. If you are interested in this, please Give him a shout out. Let's ask questions. He has been more than willing to answer and to point us in the right direction with him and the work he and his wife are doing. I definitely think by paying attention to our surroundings, paying attention to the people that we're communicating with, we can learn a lot. And I think this is really cool. Listen, if you are appreciative of what we're doing here at Manlyhood, please, if you're a man and you want to go deeper, you want to appreciate it, you want to be a part of the movement that is Manlyhood, go to the Manlyhood Man Cave on Facebook. Join the group. Post what's going on in your life, ask questions, let's interact, let's encourage, let's build each other up because that's what we do. Anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in. I love you, I care about you, and I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.